job, Miss Evie. Amen. Thank you very much. Amen. God bless you. All right, we're going to let our young people go to children's church so they can learn. By the way, the street of Della Rosa is the street that Jesus carried that cross on. They drug that through up there. That's, that's the very street that Joy Heisley and Sandra Neff got to walk on and some others that may have been to Israel. And, and uh, it's, a, it's a real place. And uh, it's, uh, it's an awesome scene when you look at the passion of the Christ and, and the blood running down and carrying that cross for you and I. Man, what a blessing. You know, one of, the, one of the greatest, most needful things I think that we need in our life, or certainly I need my life as a friend. Uh, how, how many people need a friend? Amen. You know, I, I told my wife, I said, I, I, need, I need a friend. She said, get a dog. <laughs> I said, everybody ought to have a friend. They ought to have at least two. She said, get two dogs. But there, she's on Facebook. How many of you are on Facebook? Oh, man, a bunch of you. So you understand. I'm not. I don't understand it. I've been listening to her and our daughter and some of the others about Facebook. So I got this thought, this idea. I said, I'm going to try to make friends outside of Facebook, but I'm going to apply the same principles that are on Facebook. You know, because I don't like to be unfriend. By the way, that was the number one word in 2013 was unfriend. So every day I walk out in the street and I tell people what I ate. I tell them how I feel, what I did, what I'm going to do next, and when I'm not going to be home. And I also listen to the conversation of others, and I tell them, I like that. That's a good phrase. So if you hear me say, I like that, just, just go bear with me. I even poke them. I ain't on Facebook. I don't understand. But I found out this stuff works. And now I have three people following me around. <laughs> a policeman, a psychiatrist, and a, so and a sociologist. <laughs> well, i got three new friends. What can I say? <laughs> Listen, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Luke chapter 5. Yeah, it's the last switch if you turn the fan on, last one on the right. Yeah, it has a little word above it that says F-A-N. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's one hey we glad our visitors are here and glad to have Sandra back and she said he still messes up I said yeah if you're looking for a perfect church we ain't it see the Lord just visited didn't he shown right down from above <laughs> now you know in Luke chapter 5 as we begin reading this verse 1 to 11 this is not the first time that Jesus met these disciples not the first time they met him in fact, they met him, they accepted him for who he was, but they just didn't get totally committed. There was a problem. Uh, well, kind of like you and I, first time we met Jesus. Maybe believed who he was, maybe believed what he did and what he could do, but it just, you know, to, to surrender my all to him, to, to give it like that song says, I'm going to surrender my all, I'm going to give it. That's just a little bit difficult, isn't it? That's something that's fine that's hard to do. And so you're going to find the same thing. And, and in these verses, he's focusing in on Peter, but he gets Peter, James, and John, who also, James and John, had seen Jesus before. In fact, Luke tells us earlier that, uh, that Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. Verse five, uh, Chapter 5, verse 1. And it came to pass that as the whole people, or all the people, pressed upon him, 
to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Generous, or the lake of Galilee, and verse 2, and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And they normally fished at night. They were cleaning up during the daytime in the morning. And verse 3, and he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little further from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. And remember, uh, you may recall last week I told you that's the normal posture of a rabbi was to teach. They stood to read scripture, as we are. They sat to teach. And now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. Now this is real good. Here's a carpenter telling a fisherman how to, his trade. Let's see what Peter says. And Simon answered and said unto him, Master, here's an excuse. We have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I'll let down my net. It's not going to work anyway, and I'm going to show you. But I'm going to let my net down. In verse 6, And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net break, or, or just about broke, and they, they beckoned unto their partners, said, Hey, y'all, come on over. They're from southern Judea. He said, uh, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came, and they filled both the ships so that they began to sink. Now, that's a lot of fish. You want a fishing story, Rowdy? There you go, buddy. You know, they had so much fish, their boats were getting to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Really interesting. He saw Jesus Christ do another miracle, do something. And he fell down. What did we do the first time we seen Jesus do something? Either in our lives or through someone we loved or with someone? Did we just take it for granted? What do we do today? Did we just, eh, boy, that was nice. God answered a prayer. Or do we humbly, maybe not physically, attitude with our attitude fall and praise God and thank him? Verse 9. For he was astonished, and all they were with him, or they were amazed, if you will, at the draught of the many of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. He said, You know how to catch fish? You know how to do it all? We're going to use the same principles to catch men. You got to use the right bait. You got to cast your net right. You got to go to the right places to catch them. And now you're going to catch men. You're going to get them for me. Verse 11, and when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. They left everything and followed him. Let's pray, and we'll get back to verse 11 in a moment. Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for the folks that are here today, for your spirit that's among us. But, Lord, we need to hear from you. Lord, we need to be humbled. We need to be reminded that you are the wonderful, amazing God that works miracles in our life. Lord, there's folks here that need a miracle. There's folks here that need healing physically and spiritually. There's folks here, Lord, that your Holy Spirit needs to come upon them in such a mighty way and give them that touch like that woman with that issue of blood. Tried everything. It's God. There's some folks that's tried everything. Good folks, Christian folks, folks that love the Lord. Tried everything in the world. I'm one of them. It's only you that can make the difference. So, Lord, today, do a mighty work right here in Galmi Church. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. 
You see, I want to talk to you. Uh, I started last week. I want to talk to you about what will it cost to be used of God. You see, everything we last week we came off vacation and we spent money on vacation. Uh, Sandra Ness visited with us, came back from Washington State to spend some uh, time with her daughters and, and family, and, and that's wonderful. And, and a mom and daughters, they need to do that. But it costs something. It costs time, it costs uh, money, it, it costs things to do those kind of uh, activities. Well, it costs us something to serve God. Didn't cost anything for salvation. Don't misunderstand that now. To go to heaven, Jesus Christ paid it all for us. He paid it for you and I. It's paid up. It's in full. It's waiting for you to claim your reservation, if you will. Waiting for you to say yes to what Jesus did. Your choice to decide or not decide. But it's there available. But to serve God while you're here, it's going to cost you something. Sometimes it, 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 it costs so much it hurts, doesn't it? And that's what we want to talk about. You see, if Peter's ever going to be used for God... Uh, the first thing he had to do is surrender four things. He had to surrender. He, I, I said surrender is, is made up, uh, I, I like to think it's, it's derived from two words, forsaking and following. You for, it's a positive and negative. You forsake something bad and you follow something good. You don't just forsake and forget it. you got to go to something good. And so to follow Jesus, that's a surrender. And there's four things Peter had to do. By the way, there's four things you and I got to do today as well. And we looked at them. First of all, last week we looked at Peter must surrender his possessions. Now that's tough, isn't it? Because in verse 11 it says, And when they had brought their ships to the land, they forsook all, or they left all, and followed him. Now is what Jesus is saying there, is what we're hearing is they gave up their business, they gave up their ships, they gave up their, their willing to, to make a living to follow Jesus. And that's what he wants for us today as we, in 2015, read these verses. That's what happened, but the principle, the precept for us today is to give up our control. You see, possession is a word that means in control. You got control. So possession means I possess a property regardless of who owns it, but I'm in control of it. And the things in our lives that we think we control, we really don't, our children, our marriage, or our, uh, you know, our spouses, those things, but we think we're in control. But that's what he's saying. Jesus is saying to you and I today, guys, I want you to give up control. I want you to let me be in control. And that's what Peter and them did. Oh, they actually gave up their fishing, their business. Uh, the dads took over uh, who owned it, and James and John went with him. That, that's an actual thing, that, that fact. That kind of hard to understand until you start grasping the principle or the precept that he wants us to grasp, and that is to give up our control. Man, that's hard for me. I like being in control. I, I like having things, you know, give, give up my, my, my wants, whatever, and that's what Peter was asked to do. You see, Paul said it this way. He said, you might as well, it ain't nothing but trash anyway. You don't believe me? Read what Paul says in Philippians. In fact, I'll show you. Yes, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency, that's good, for the importance and the greatness of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, for the excellency of Jesus Christ, for whom I have suffered the loss of things and do count them all but dung, fertilizer, 
That's exactly what the Bible said. Said nothing but hey, you know what they're saying? You know how we say it today? Man, all that stuff stinks. You ever follow a honey wagon? In, how many's been to Europe? I should have asked that question first. You ever follow a honey wagon? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Buddy, I'm telling you, you want you're looking to pass as soon as you can. That's a fertilizing thing that goes to their fields. But he says, all dung, that I may win Christ, that I can know more Christ, that I can be like Christ. That's the thing that he wants. That's what's so exciting. You know, all this stuff we think is important, it's not as important as it was. When a tragedy or something major happens in our life, it's not as important as you thought it was, is it? And some of you have been there. Some of you are there. Like me. Hey, it's not as important as some other things. When I got sick a couple of years ago and things were down, there's a whole bunch of things that wasn't important to me. She was important to me. My son, our daughter, was important to me. But some of this other stuff that I think even now back in taking possession, and that, that hey, it's important. It ain't that important. It ain't nothing but junk. It ain't nothing but trash. I don't need it anyway. You know, we say we can't take it with us, but we like to try, don't we? You know, but I have yet to see a U-Haul behind a hearse. It just don't happen. So first thing, Peter had to give up his possessions, his control. Second of all, he had to surrender his will. His want to, his way of doing things. Oh, man, now, preacher, you stopped meddle, preaching and started meddling. That ain't no funny. That's another hard thing. I got to give up my will, my want to. God, if you want to be used to God, you do. It's God's way or, or, or no way. And so we have to give up the will. That's what's important. Our want to's, our desire, that's our, our, our wills, our will, our intellect, our emotion. That's what makes us who we are. And we need to be like Christ. we got to give up. That's the principle that he had to do. His will, Peter's will, was to be a fisherman. And he was good at it. And that's what his will was. And he said, uh, and Jesus told him, you're going to follow me now. I'll no longer you catch fish. You're going to catch men. And Peter said, you know, I'm not worthy. But he said, I'm going this time. I've, I've, I've played church long enough. I've played games long enough. I'm going to give up my possessions, my control, my will, my wants, my desires to serve God. The third thing he had to give up was his pride. And, and the, the center word in pride and sin is I. Difficult, isn't it? We have to give up our pride. You see, when Simon Peter saw it, saw what? He saw those fishes. He saw the big catch. He saw this, this carpenter, he saw this amazing thing that Jesus did. And when he saw it, he fell down at Jesus' feet saying, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. He said, I don't deserve it. fact is, we don't deserve many things that God's given you or I, do we? And that's what Peter was saying. Pride causes people to think they can work their way to heaven. Hey, you know what? There's people that have walked the aisle, raised their hand, prayed a prayer, joined the church, been baptized, and, uh, and tithed teach class, preach messages, and are going to die and go to hell because they never surrendered their possessions and their will, strongly their will. They kept, I'm sorry, there's some that's just not going to. That doesn't save you. Save you is when you surrender your will. That's when you're saved. That's when you got that place in heaven. 
But pride causes people to think they can work their way to heaven. Pride causes people to believe that their sin is not bad enough to send them to hell. How could a loving God send anybody to hell? He didn't make hell for us. It was for the angels. But because we choose, because he gives us our free will, because we choose not to serve him, not to surrender our will, not to lose our control of our processions, because we choose not to and choose not to accept him, he says, all right, you're going to go. But there's some people said, oh, it's not going to happen to me. You know why? Because after all, we're good folk. We're Americans. Man, we're some of the best people in the world. And we are. But we also have some of the dirt balls in the world. I'm still working on that T-shirt that says, Jesus loves you. But the rest of us think you're a dirt ball. <laughs> I like it. I think it'll, I think it'll sell. <laughs> but pride causes people to believe that their sin is not bad enough to send them to hell. Pride causes people to think they can work their way to heaven. Pride causes people to believe they can order their lives without God's direction. I don't need God until I get in trouble. I don't need God until I got a problem. I don't need God to ask God to do anything about it. I just just going to do it. I didn't ask God for direction. I didn't ask God for God. I'm just going to go ahead and do what I want to do, and, and, and we'll see what happens. You know, which direction should I go? What should I say? What should I do? We need to ask God. The, the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit will give us the words to say, but we got to ask him what he wants us to say, what he wants us to talk about. You see, I must not allow to deceive me into thinking that I can go to heaven based upon uh, just a prayer or saying a hand. It's got to be who I got in my heart. It doesn't matter the name over the door, what denomination you're from. What matters is who you got in your heart is Jesus Christ. You see, I must not allow pride to send my soul to hell. And my pride is not going to, thank God. And for years it did. Because I saw Christians that I lived and treated my family better than some of them. And so have you. And so have you. But that's not why you should choose or not choose to accept Christ to go to heaven. Listen, I must not allow pride to cause me to waste my life. And You know, I'm, I'm, I don't need to do this. I'm good. I don't need to serve God. I don't need to read the Bible. I don't need to pray. I don't need to do this. I don't need to get involved. I mean, nobody else is. Why do I need to do it? After all, everybody's doing it. I get so tired of hearing that. I got tired of hearing it when our daughter was a teenager. Well, Daddy, everybody's doing it. No, they're not, because you're not. So everybody's not. You may be the only one, but you're not. <clears throat> Listen, I must not allow pride to drive me away from God. <laughs> I can handle this. <laughs> I can do it. Man, everything's going great. I don't need God. I can do this. It's, it's going to be great. What do I need God for? I don't need God. And then all of a sudden, your heart stops. It's, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. On second thought, maybe I need God. Start my heart again. Do you realize that's the only thing that keeps us beating? Is God? He could just, anytime he wants to, say, poof, it's done. You know, I know sometimes I make him scratch his head. I'm just thankful he hasn't decided to stop my heart yet. <laughs> Slow it down. That's okay. But don't stop it. Listen, I must not allow pride to drive me away from God. Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goeth before destruction and a hearty spirit before a fall. Otherwise, an arrogant spirit. You, do you know somebody that's arrogant? 
Are you married to somebody? Don't put your hand up now. You know, how we got to be careful. Because if we're not careful, there's a time in my religious journey, if you will, as I was saved and serving God, <coughs> that I was better than them. If you weren't like me, you weren't good enough. I've been there. Don't work. Not only doesn't it work, it's not right. That's not how God made us. God said, hey, I made them people. I love them people. You help them. You may have most of the stuff right, but you ain't got it all right. You're going to find out when you get to heaven how wrong you are. The only thing right in my life is Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit of God living here. And that's the only thing that's right about you. That's why we get along. If it wasn't for the Holy Spirit of God, we probably wouldn't like one another very well. Associate with people. Peter must surrender his possessions. Peter must surrender his will. Number three, Peter must surrender his pride. And the fourth thing Peter had to surrender is his life. You could encompass all those in the fact of life today. We could say our life needs to be surrendered to Jesus. We need to serve God all our life. Listen. And when they had brought their ships to the land, they forsook all, or they left all, and followed him. The principle, he don't want you to give up your business, give up all your money, sell your house, your boat, your cars, and follow Jesus and be a monk. That's not what he's talking about. He wants you to surrender the control. He wants you to give it all. He wants everything that's important to you. You see, James chapter 4, verse 14 and 15 says, Whereas you know not what shall be on tomorrow. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know what's going on tomorrow. None of us do. We don't even know what's going to happen in the next five seconds. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little while and then vanished away. It just poof. It's gone. It's like, it's like I, I use, use this verse uh, often in funeral messages sometimes, but I tell them life's like the steam off a hot cup of coffee in the morning, a cold morning. That steam rises up off that coffee, and, and then you see it come up off the coffee, and then it's gone. And that's what our life's like. 70, 80, burning, 96 years. 90, yep. 96 years. That's still just a vapor. It just comes and goes. My goodness. It was just yesterday. No, last year he was 95. He was probably, in his mind, he was just 50. And I know in my mind I was, and now I'm almost 66. When I came here almost 18 years ago, I was 48. Sandra, I was a kid. We had some old people. Now, now I'm an old people, and we got some younger ones. <laughs> it just happens. It quicks. The Wilsons, uh, Larry and Linda Wilsons, got Audra. I said, how, Audrey, how old are you? Is, uh, am I saying it right? Adrian, yeah. I said, Adrian, how old are you? I said, 12. She corrected me very quickly, didn't she? She's 14 now, isn't she? Isn't that right, Linda? 13? Oh, yeah, I said, what old are you, 9? And she said, 12. Right now they're excited. Dakota's 16. I can't believe it. I remember Dakota, man. He's, on, he's 16, and they start getting driver's license at 16. Yeah. 
But the good thing is you can't drive nothing but old people. What can I say? I mean, they changed the law. You can't get a bunch of kids in the car your age and drive around. You've got to have us old people in there. That's where our white hair comes from. Oh, look out, look out. <laughs> What's your dad's hair change, color change? <laughs> what is life? It's gone, verse 15. Thou ought to say, if the Lord wills, if the Lord will let me, if the Lord allows me, we shall live and do this or that. Nothing wrong with having plans, nothing wrong with having goals, and we should have. But we should include God in our plans first and foremost. And there's nothing wrong with that. Look, there was a rich man in Luke chapter 15, not the rich man Lazarus, that's 15, but in Luke 16, well, or excuse me, Luke 12, let's, let's look at this guy. And, and he spoke a parable, Jesus, unto him, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentiful. Uh, he, the harvest was good. Man, I mean, things were going his way. Don't you like, especially if you're a farmer, you like them plentiful years. And verse 17, and he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do because I have no room where to bestow myself? He said, man, what am I going to do? I got all this stuff that's going my way. What am I going to do? You know, you know what a farmer does when he got a lot of stuff? Builds a bigger barn. Same way, you don't, that's what the Bible says, too. You don't believe it. Well, let's look at it. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build a greater or bigger barn. That's what they still do today. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. He said, I'm, now I'm going to put all the stuff I got, I'm going to put it in here, and I'm going to hoard it. This guy may have been the first hoarder, Todd. He said, I'm keeping it. I don't even plan on sharing it with anybody. I'm just going to keep it. Verse 19, and I will say to my soul, or to myself, so thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thy ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Just relax and enjoy life, man. Live it your way. That's what they say today, don't they? Just live it your way. And where Peter had to surrender his possessions, his will, his pride, and his life, and this man thinks he's in control of his life and his possessions. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night by... <coughs> Thy soul shall be required of thee. Then those shall, uh, shall those things be which thou hast provided. He said, who's going to have it now? When it's all said and done and gone, who's going to own it? Remember, Paul said, ain't nothing but trash anyway. He said, it doesn't make any difference. So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Anybody that's putting their faith, their trust, or relying on their stuff is wrong. They haven't given up their life. They haven't given up their possessions control. They haven't given up their will. They, they're, they're still living very prideful. And the last says, and is not rich towards God. Do you know what that phrase means? It means they're not growing in their relationship with God. So if you're not growing in your spiritual relationship with God, you better look out who's got control of your possessions. Look out who's, who's running your, your will. Look out. How prideful you are at the things you do at the church and for the church, for your family, for your nation, whatever. So he is that uh, lay up treasure for himself and is not in that right relationship with God. He's not rich towards God. You know what my goal is? 
to say to heck with that junk. Let me be rich towards God. That's hard. That's difficult. That's one of them hard sayings in the Bible, Charlie. A man, you know, hey, I just, you know, I like being in control. I like having stuff, you know, and I like doing things my way. Not only that, can I tell you a secret? I like it when she does things my way. truth is, so do you, right? <laughs> Three great mistakes this rich guy made, and people are still making them today. Number one, he mistook his bank book for his Bible. He forgot how important the Word of God is and true it is. He said, look at all the money and stuff I got. Hey, I'm going to sit back, take it easy, kick back in my recliner, and enjoy life, and forget about the Bible, and he forgot it. And people today are forgetting the importance of the Word of God. True statement, focused on the family, did, went out and did some videos and did an interview. And 61% of the nation is illiterate towards God and the things of God. Because they're not taught God, they're not taught about God, like we were in school or, or, or we hear it and some of them didn't go to church, and I understand that. My family didn't. I grew up a heathen. We didn't go to church. And I knew nothing about God. But I knew this one thing. They asked this question. Who was Joan of Arc? And here was the reply in most of the cases. Noah's wife. For real. Folks, we need to start praying for a boldness. To go out and share God. Not a rudeness, but a boldness with compassion and love. A sharing the truth about God's word and God's truth. And we need to go out there. And we need to pray for our leaders because the nation of Israel is God's chosen people. Like it or not. That's what the word of God says and we need to pray for them. And we need to pray that God will bind ISIS and them other terrorist groups. This, it's coming. It's coming. But this rich man, like many of us today, mistook, misunderstood his bank book for his Bible. The second mistake he made is he mistook his body for his soul. He said, hey, everything's going good here. I ain't worried about my soul. Well, guess what? What I thought was never going to wear out is wearing out. And many of you relate to that. But what's not going to wear out is my soul. And thank God. According to the truth of his word, it's going to spend eternity in heaven. His body ain't going to get a new body. The third thing he mistook, he mistook time for eternity. He thought he had all the time in the world it was going to last forever, and it's not. This time here is just a vapor, short time. It's not going to last forever. You see, Peter must surrender his possessions. Peter must surrender his will. And you and I must do the same. Peter and you and I must surrender our pride and we must surrender our life. And, Je and Jim Elliott made this statement. A man is never a fool to give up that which he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Jim Elliott was a, a missionary in Ecuador. And him and five missionaries had spent months trying to reach uh, a, a hostile tribe in the jungle. And they finally landed on a sandbar. And they 
spent some time and they were only there maybe a, a, a night or two and they were killed, all five of them. And they were trying to take the gospel to them. Elizabeth Elliot, his wife, later on and a few years later went back in and reached those people, was one of the missionaries to help reach those people. But a man wrote this before he was killed trying to spread the gospel. And you and I are not threatened to be killed trying to spread the gospel. A man is never a fool to give up that which he cannot keep, to gain that which he cannot lose. If you know Jesus Christ and you've surrendered your will, not just said a prayer or not just been baptized, not just joined a church, but you meant business with God, then this morning there's no doubt you can't lose what you got. Because that means you're going to spend eternity in heaven. Listen, tips for being used by God. Keep God in all your plans. Keep God in all your plans. Keep him there. Ask directions. Where should I go? How to go? You know what I do sometimes? I haven't done it in a long time, but I do sometimes. I'm going to Springfield or Bolivar. How do you want me to go today? What direction should I drive this car today? Really? And, you know, I've found sometimes I've met people I didn't think I would meet or I've, I've been avoided accidents or some other things. So keep God in all your plans. Number two, study the Bible and pray every day. Hey, get rich with God. Get, get so rich with God. You know, the spirit in here is great today. Did you know that? Hey, give God a hand. The spirit in here is great. You know why? Because we're rich with God. Because we want the Holy Spirit of God to tell us what he wants us to do and to direct us and to guide us. And so we need to study the Bible and pray. And we need that, that richness of God in our life. I don't have it every day. Maybe you do. Some of you more spiritual than me. But I don't have it every day. But I'm working on it to be rich with God. Number three, always do more than expected. Regardless of what everybody else is doing or not doing, do more than what's expected. You want to be used of God? Do those things. Do, do the, the, the things and do more than what's expected. Number four, treat every person in a respectful manner. You're going to find some people that don't agree with you. Shock. You know, but they don't. They don't agree with us. They don't agree with that word, that, with, the, with the Bible. They don't agree what's said in there. It's okay. You know, that's not my choice, that's their choice. But I can treat them respectfully. I don't agree with their lifestyle. Some of you don't agree with mine now. That's okay. Because I don't always agree with yours either. But we can treat each other respectfully. Some people worship God differently than we do here. That's okay. Don't matter. When we get to heaven, we're all going to worship God the same way, His way. That's okay. Here's a verse. You want to be successful? You want to be rich like the rich man? You want to have things and stuff? That's fine. And God wants you to have it. It's okay. You can have it. There's nothing wrong with that. I got stuff. Man, I got so much stuff, I'm thinking about building a bigger barn. No, I'm just kidding. I'm going to get rid of some of her stuff. And then she's going to get rid of some of my stuff. Because I can't get rid of my stuff, but I can get rid of her stuff. 
says, but seek ye first. He said, you want to have what you need, maybe not what you want, but what you need. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Get righteous with God. And his righteousness, right, get rich with him. And all these things shall be added unto you. I don't have a lot of things, don't own a lot of things. But you know what I have? I got the truth. And I'm getting rich with God. And it's going to be exciting. Hey, I just thought of something. For those of you that's worked hard and you got a 401k and three cars and two boats and five houses and, man, things are going your way, that's wonderful. When we get to heaven, we're all going to be alike. Right, Brendel? Did it say we're all going to have robes on? You know? That's for those of us who thought we was going to get a skinny body. We're just going to have a robe to hide the stuff. <laughs> but we're all going to be alike. We get to heaven. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things. You read back. Go, go home and read in, in Matthew chapter 6 and read back and see what you get. If you seek God first and his righteousness, see what he's going to give you. That's a promise. That's a promise from God. Mark 12, 30, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. He said, with everything you got, love the Lord. Folks, I fought in Vietnam. Richard and many of you other men have stood with everything I got for the freedom. We weren't going to win. We knew it. But we fought with everything we got because that's how we were raised and that's how we were taught. And that lady right there, she don't belong to me. And it took me a long time to realize she can't feel all the emptiness that's in here. Only Jesus Christ can. But she's, I'll, I, but she's mine in that sense. And I'll fight you with everything I got to protect her and to love her and take care of her. Don't mess with her. Just thought I'd let you know. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for an opportunity to share my heart and my truth. Lord, this is Palm Sunday, and the same people that praised you coming in Jerusalem stood and said, crucify you at Pilate's feet. Oh, Lord, forgive us. We may not shout crucify, we just ignore with our pride and controlling our possessions and keeping our way, our will, and not surrendering our life. Lord, it's a process. It's a step-by-step -step process. It don't just happen overnight. Let each one of us know that we can accomplish it through prayer, through Bible study, through growing spiritually with you. Let us grow spiritually. Lord, I pray for each person and this church to grow spiritually strong. In Jesus' name, amen. Won't you stand with me? Whatever the Lord spoke to your heart about. Maybe he spoke to you that you need to go tell somebody else. You see, we can make a difference in 2015, but we can't make a difference until we surrender those four things. We can make a difference in somebody's life in 2015, but we can't make a difference until we surrender our possessions, control. Until we surrender our will, our way of doing things. Until we surrender our pride, my 
want to as I'm special and until we surrender my life. That applies to me, applies to you, but we can do it and we can do it together. Let's do it. Let's begin praying. Say, Lord, help me today to follow you. As Ruth plays on the piano, won't you come? Won't you pray? <coughs> Let me ask you, how many people know a lost person? Raise your hand. Amen. How many people want to see that lost person saved? Won't you come and pray? Put that lost person's name on the altar and say, Lord, today. Lord, today, will you plant that seed? Today, will you use me to make a difference? Today, Lord, will it be? We all know somebody. I saw the hands come up. We can make a difference in that person's life. That person that the Holy Spirit put on your heart, that, that person's name, that face, that may be somebody you're related to. Maybe a neighbor, maybe a friend. God says, just as I said, I'll fight and give everything I got for my wife, my family. You men will do the same. There's no doubt in my mind. And you women will do the same. But let me tell you, that's how God wants us to love him. With all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, and all our strength. Sometimes my strength's been weak. Sometimes physically Satan has knocked me down. Sometimes spiritually I feel like I've been forsaken by God. Maybe you've been there too. But you know the truth is, God says he'll never leave us or forsake us. The truth is, he'll walk right with us. John, Lord, as he's out there, be with Mike, be with their family, Lord. We know they're all not perfect, but Lord, and they can't be. Yeah. No wonder they will. Lord, just encourage them, all the children, grandchildren, Lord, and just thank you. And I ask you to speak to their hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Christian, some praying. Won't you keep praying for them? still some praying and Ruth's playing. I don't know that tune. I knew the one, the other one was gone. But it sure is peaceful, isn't it? The Spirit. Get a chance to thank her. You know, tell her thanks sometimes. You get a chance. Thank somebody near you for being here today. Because maybe they never heard what we're talking about today. Maybe they don't understand what we need today. 
There's some man or woman to the left or right of you that's hurting. Life's throwing them a screwball, and they're struggling, and they need you to know it's okay. Before you leave this morning, why these are friends, shake hands with someone, put your arms around somebody, because that's what this church is all about, just loving. Just let us love you through it. If you can't get through it, let us love you through it. Let us love you through this difficult time. Listen, and I told you I'd fight with everything I got for her and my family. That stands for this church, and this church is you people. Because we're going into a fight. There ain't no doubt in my mind it's going to happen. Let's just get ready. Because as long as this church stands for the truth, preach the truth, I'll fight with everything I got compassionately. And I want them to come to the Lord before I kick them unmercifully about the head and shoulders and do a tap dance on the skull. But You know what? Thank you for being here. Today's probably the best day you could have chose to come. It's good to see Dennis and Nancy back. Dennis, could you close with some prayer this morning? He'll bring you the mic. Dennis and Nancy Smith. It's good to have them back. It's getting summertime. It's good to see you come back all the way from St. Joe. Hey, Sanders came all the way from Washington State to hear me preach. What? Lord, Father God, we just come to you in all of your power and grace that you've allowed us to be here with you today and listen to Pastor Rick. Lord, uh, we are humbled by your very presence in our lives that your son would come, live on this earth, be amongst us, teach us, and die for our sins, a horrific death on Calvary. Lord, as we come into this week that we celebrate that event, let us remember that as we go forward. Let us take that word to the people around us. We ask this in your holiest of names. Amen.